Good morning, it's Danger Dan here in the talk shop. Today's episode I recorded with Derek from Dwayne's Powertrains, Charlotte, North Carolina, which will be next month's featured MC Shop T. Uh, rad dude, he's been working at prison for years. He was, you know, a mechanical engineer and now he works on motorcycles and motorcycle engines and fixes all the tweaker shit that people have done to motors over the years and can help you out. Check him out at Dwayne's Powertrains. The next month's featured shirt was designed by Nick Resty, and it is bad as fuck. All of uh, Dwayne's Powertrains uh, logos and imagery, if you will, was like kung fu inspired, so I found one of my favorite kung fu movies and got Nick to redo it and it's fucking rad as shit so go to mcshoptees.com and sign up now so you do not miss out let's get into this podcast Damn, it feels good outside this morning. Bit nipply, but I'm liking it. Uh, dude, I just told you about MC Shop Tees. If you want to support the podcast, but you don't need any more t-shirts, go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com. There's a Patreon support tab where you can donate five bucks a month. Give yourself a chance at winning some rad shit from Low Brow Customs. Because they got all the shit to keep your chopper on the motherfucking road. That's right. Uh, on top of that, we are giving away an expedition thanks to Motorcycle Sherpa. That will happen next month, dude. It's so close. So close. Somebody's going to win a trip. I just got back from Nepal, and it was fucking incredible. And you will love it. Go check him out now. There's new dates for next year and I believe 25 as well. And he is also answer, He is also accepting or doing financing so you can pay these trips out over the course of the year. Super fucking rad. Uh, I will be helping guide trips in the future. And trust me, you do not want to miss out on any of these trips he's offers. So go to MotorcycleSherpa.com. Um, dude, fucking planning the calendar for next year. It's already looking hectic. I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I'm going to try and spend more time just traveling and recording podcasts. So if I don't go to your show this next year, it's not because I don't like you or your show. It's just that I would like to spend more time uh, sitting down and really getting to talk to the people that I've met over the past few years. So pretty stoked about that. Had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you had one as well. I've got so much to be thankful for and you that's right. You are one of those things. Thank you. Uh, MC Shop Tees did a Black Friday sale. Not really a Black Friday sale. I just I do a leftover sale. That's what I do. Fuck. It's not Black Friday. It's the leftover sale uh, where I offer up my Thanksgiving leftovers because I'm thankful. But you have to be a subscriber to have gotten the email that had the link. So go to mcshoptees.com. Sign up now. Uh, we feature different shops every month. The first shop I ever featured is Brown Cycles. Those dudes have been around for over 50 years. Pretty fucking cool. Uh, MC Shop Tees is fixing to put out its uh, 60th t-shirt. That's five years 
that I've been doing this, which is fucking rad. And I can't thank you guys enough for helping me support small shops all across this country. Speaking of small shops, Derek from Dwayne's Powertrain's next month's featured shop uh, works at one of the first featured shops uh, in, no, 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 Prism Supply. I believe I featured Prism within, the, I think, the first year I started doing this. And it's just fucking rad to see, you know, how well they've done since then. Not that I had anything to do with that, but it's just cool to, like, still be working with, with guys uh, for this long. So thank you to all the supporters. Let's get into this podcast with Derek. All right. Now, now it's like fucking recording for real. Uh, oh, hell. Oh, shit, dude. I am. Uh, so my phone works like shit at my house. Like, literally, mm-hmm. it works better in South America or in fucking Nepal than it does at my house. I don't know what's going on, but, like, within the last, I would say it's been a year now, my phone goes into SOS mode. It's like, instead of having any bars or anything, it just says SOS, like, shit out of service. Just just sauced. And uh, I don't know what it is. It only happens at my fucking house. It happened a couple times when I was in, like, Patagonia, but... Uh, I don't know what it is about my house. So I'm like, I'm behind my house on top of a little hill watching the sunset, just thinking about how much heat is fixing to disappear as soon as that sun disappears. Ooh, sounds romantic. Oh, God, it is. Uh, Is it hot there? Long story short, uh, I'm outside in the field. (laughs) The picture of that is amazing. I feel like... I like to think you've got a little bit of gear around you, and you're I just, d- like, on a little blanket. I do. I'm fucking laid out on a fucking Indian blanket. Um, you know, I wouldn't have my computer normally, but since I fucking have this new phone, I have to run this phone call through my computer. So, gotcha. unfortunately, I have a giant screen of me in front of me. Of me in front of me. <laughs> uh, set the scene. Where are you at? What are you doing right now? Man, I'm just uh, I'm just sitting in my shop, honestly. Just oh, uh, sick. J- just here at the desk, just uh, just chilling, really. Where's the shop at? Uh, you know, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, or I am, I should say. But you know, my my shop is a little cave uh cave room inside of the prison shop. So so you're at um, Camp North End as well with the rest of the um, guys. I'm at Camp Northen. They just set up a skating rink out here, and uh, there's all kinds of weird shit that's always going on out out at this campus thing. Really? There's this like an ice skating rink? Yeah, yeah, oh. and like uh, <laughs> hardly now, anybody. Speaking comes to of it, romantic, it's weird. <laughs> dude, a fucking lonely <laughs> circle of ice with fucking people skating around it. it sounds amazing. We've been trying to figure out how we could infiltrate at night and maybe get like a little hockey game going, which none of us have ever played before, but it seems like an opportune moment for hey, it. Yeah, that'd be a game worth filming. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, you, none of you guys play hockey. There's not a single hockey player up there. You know, we're out here in North Carolina. I've always wanted to, to be honest with you. No, no, none of us, not even hey, remotely Everybody close. kind of wanted to at one point in their life after watching Mighty yeah. Ducks. After seeing yeah, exactly. Mighty Ducks, you're like, dude, I want to be in the Flying V, you know? Ducks fly together, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. Ducks quack together, dude. 
<laughs> Whatever, man. Just give me a knuckle puck. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years since I've been over there. Uh, I know. Maybe, and I think that was long. the last time I've seen you, right? Like, you're not a part of the Prism Road crew at all. Like, I don't you see know, you out and about. Do you, is it, do you guys, like, draw straws, or how does that work? <laughs> as far as, like, going to shows and stuff like that? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I go to those things when when it works for me. You know, it's just kind of – it's something I would do for fun. You know, it's not like something that's mandatory for any of us to do. It's just like, hey, we're going here. If you want to come, you know, buy a plane ticket. I've got a place for you to stay come out if you want kind of deal. So I try, we try to make it when we can, but you know, a lot of times with jobs, you know, other jobs I was doing before and stuff like that, I just couldn't make a lot of them. So, um, yeah, I've been, I feel like I've been doing more and more recently, but yeah, I don't know. I make some. Yeah. Well, I don't get out to the East much. I definitely don't like, I go to Daytona and I'm like, all right, I can check the East coast off for the year. Uh, yeah. I mean, not, that's not really what I do, but it seems like that because I don't go back th- back that direction after Daytona. Yeah, um, no, I, I, you're almost more of a mythological creature to me. I feel like because you know we've seen each other a few times at the shows and you know talked and talked some shit and whatnot, but like you know I always hear from Jake and everybody else some of the crazy shit you're doing when y'all are hanging out. So you know they're fucking lying. I know, I, dude. I know they you are tales. lying. I know you through tales. They're lying, dude. <laughs> They are lying for sure. I don't know what they're telling yeah. you, but I can almost guarantee it's not true. I want to hear about this uh, skinned uh, chipmunk from the last time you guys were out. Dude, I want to tell you about the look on Jake's face specifically. Yeah, Matt, too. Jake and Matt both yeah. had the most perplexed look on their face. Like they had just never seen a savage human skin an animal before. Now, you know, maybe it was a little bit unexpected. We were casually riding motorcycles through the fairytale land that is Colorado, and the next thing you know, I'm fucking slinging guts on the side of the road and on my face, apparently, uh, skinning a chipmunk that I hit, you know? But it was a fresh kill. I'm like, dude, we can- I got to let that guy live on forever. He is still hanging yeah. off my bike at Dallas Harley-Davidson right now. Oh, really? There's also a deer leg up there. So I just got the bike painted by J.P. Rodman, and it looks fucking killer, right? And I talked to the guy at the dealership the other day. He's like, you know what? You know, the paint's cool and all, and people like it. But what really gets their attention is the dead animals on the back of your bike. <laughs> like, just uh, just yeah. every roadkill. Did you hit the deer, too, or did you just find that thing? No, I just found it, and I, I stuck it there for, like, not – intentionally to leave for a long time but then it was at the next stop and then it was at the stop after that and now grows it's just, on you it's and now you a, can't take it off <laughs> well i'm not much for taking stuff off unless it's covers you know i take covers off of oh mm, i hear you um <laughs> <laughs> that got weird I, don't, I think we were talking about two different types of covers uh, oh, okay. But maybe, oh, okay. maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's exactly what I was talking about. It, I'm still picturing you just sitting there in the sunset, probably shirt off on that blanket, talking to me right now. So yeah, I got you know. my slippers on and everything. Yeah. Well, uh, so when I was out there, let's see. I think it was like 17, 2017. Maybe it was 18. Mm, yeah. You hadn't like started 
Dwayne's powertrains at this point. Uh, yeah, that, that was, I, yeah. That was pre-Dwayne's powertrains. Now, were you doing yeah. were, were you doing that kind of work on the side? Were you, like, learning from somebody? Like, how did this all progress? Man, I was, 2017 is kind of when I first started uh, dipping a toe in it. So, I mean, probably when you were here, I hadn't even thought about doing it. But, um, no, it happened pretty organically, I would say. I mean, you know, I was, I've always been involved with Prism, but I've always had, you know, I've, I've been a mechanical engineer you know, ever since college. So, you know, Jake was kind of on that same path with me and then started Prism and, you know, it grew and grew and grew to where he could quit his job and stuff. But for me, it was like, (laughs) why would I quit a good paying job to, you know, it was, it's, it it was an incredibly hard thing to even like, it wasn't even possible for me. So it was like, you know, come hang out, help out after work. Um, and on the weekends and stuff like that, but no, it's, you know, it was, it was never really an idea until, until about that time. And I think we had, um, we were building a bike for a customer and it had, it was a shovel head, a cone shovel, and it needed the heads done on it. And Jake was trying to figure out who to send it to. And, uh, I was kind of like, let me give a crack at it. Not knowing a damn thing what I was doing or what I was getting myself into. So, I mean, that's, that's really how it started. Um, so what'd you do? Did you go buy some stones? Man, (laughs) I'm trying to even think, but I almost can't even remember how all this started to be honest with you. Um, (laughs) you know, we talked to a couple, we, we talked to an engine builder around here that I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm really interested in, learning this stuff and I've done, I've done stuff with engines in the past, not, not motorcycles or anything like that. I've always been into stuff like that. So, you like, know, like, like Chevy small blocks or, or what? Dude, no, sir. Stand up jet skis. <laughs> <laughs> like two stroke motors, huh? Oh yeah, dude. I, there's a, there's a soft spot in my heart for, uh, for two bangers for sure. Dude, but, uh, we were talking about this the other day. I, I never rode a stand up jet ski. Like I, I've ridden the fucking sea do like the other kinds, but I never rode a stand up jet ski. And I was like disappointed as I was saying that the other day, like I, yeah, I got to do something had, about that this summer. You hadn't lived. Dude. So th- it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And you know, what's funny about all that is like, before prism let's see we were probably in high school i i mean i was in, i worked at a jet ski shop like shop and while i was going to school and jake was into them and zach and peters you know just some of the prism guys before prism was even a thing like that was that was our deal really you know just yes sir i did not know this that's awesome yeah so i mean you know even before that like Jake was, you know, designing billet parts for some of that stuff just for fun, like not trying to sell it or make it a business. Just like, you know, we've always been doing stuff like that. So and, you know, just doing crazy fiberglass work to them to barrel roll them or backflip them, shit like that. That's so, awesome. So you guys were stunting these things. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time goofing out there. Were you guys like riding them on the waves on the ocean? No, you know, we never I never took them to the surf. I'm not sure if Jake or Zach ever did. But, um, you know, we, we live, uh, we live around Lake Norman. I'm fortunate enough. My parents live on Lake Norman. So I've just always been on the water and that was kind of like a natural thing to get into yeah. really. So that's right. I mean, 
I don't know about back then, but it, like I see them still all the time, like affordable on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. Yeah, and I got a friend. He he fucking buys them all the time, and you know really? gets them, run them, rides them around, and then fucking sells them and goes on to the next. I think he just likes fucking working on them more than anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was but, so. That's where he started working on motors. Was those little two stroke guys, and most of them were two strokes, right? If I remember correctly. Oh yeah. Yep. Still are. I think they only make like a handful for like racing now. Actually, like modern days, they don't. There's not very many of them made anymore. But yeah. I mean, most boat motors were two-stroke back then, right? Um, yeah, I would say so. Or early two thousands or so, maybe. I don't know. I don't know when. Like, do they still make? Came in. Do they still make stand-up uh, jet skis? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like. Uh, I think they make some for like racing, and but like with regulations and shit like that, they don't like appeal to the masses with them anymore. Yeah. That makes sense. So all the sit down, all the sit down ones are all like four stroke and shit. Now oh, dude, too, the so. sit down ones now are like full on boats, dude. They're like built yeah, on the back and fucking fishing pole holders. Yeah. My local dirt bike shops got, you know, they sell for Can-Am and Sea-Doo and Yamaha. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the guys, he went to the Yamaha. I don't know what's like, not a trade show, but like a the dealer thing they had last year. And Yamaha did it in Florida, like on an island or some shit, and put everybody up on the beach and gave them all jet skis or boats. And they, like, all had to fucking ride through the water to go to the whatever the fuck they were doing that day on the island. <laughs> like, That's Hell yeah. fucking sweet. You didn't get the invite, or did you go? No, to that? fuck no. I, my friend that went, he was like, I just rode around in the water, and then I went to like a fucking a baseball game where he didn't even go to the Yamaha shit. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't get. Yeah, the I mean, it's that. Yeah, it's like it's like baggers and choppers is exactly what it is. It's like you you know, like it's a different. That's a whole different deal. All this new, all the new jet skis and shit like well, do that. They, the water sports down here in Texas are fucking huge. I mean, and boats are so expensive, like. I mean, they're expensive as fuck, really. Oh, I know. I it's know insane. about it. It's yep. do you, insane. Do you do you ride around on boats up there now? You guys got boats? I mean, I've always I've always been around them. And like I said, my parents, I've been extremely fortunate and grateful to always live on the lake because I've just, I've always been on the water. And, uh, you know, our family's always had boats. And I'm super into fishing right now, so I'm on the bass boat as as much as I can uh, as much as I can get out there. Really, so, yeah. you're a fucking bass fisherman, proper bassing man for sure. I fucking love it. Plastic worms or hard bait? Ooh, I mean, you know, I, I'm a jig guy. I, I like skipping jigs. <laughs> I so. have never had any luck with jigs. Like, you know, oh. I fucking you know catch some here and there, but. Dude, I'm I'm just I got a, like I don't know, twenty, thirty different bags of colored worms, and then they've all got like, you know, they're all just a bunch of different worms in each bag. Oh, that's that's, mm-hmm. that's it. That's pretty much the bullet head weight and a fucking hook and a plastic worm. Hell yeah, hell yeah, a little Texas trick. I mean, you're in the land of slaunches over over there. I should come out and fish with you or something. Dude, come on, dude. My my good fishing pond actually went dry this year, dude. It was fucking devastating. Whoa. Uh, like fully? 
Like there was a mud puddle. The birds were out there feasting. I'm, you know, I bet you a couple catfish like got down deep and they might have made it through. Uh, but that was pretty bad. But man, That's I mainly oh, I fish a lot on the river, and I take my kids bass fishing because it's like you know it's more, it's a little higher pace than catfishing. Uh, yeah. that's mainly what I do. I fucking I set fucking trot lines and try and catch meat to put in my refrigerator. Hell yeah! Because I love catfish. You eat them greasy sons of bitches. I fucking <laughs> love them, dude. You fucking, I mean, and they say like the bigger ones aren't as good or some shit. I don't fucking care what size they are. Uh, not that I'm catching like huge ones, but dude, the belly meat on a on a flathead catfish is kind of hard to beat. Just just fucking really? lightly fried in some bacon grease, no breading, no nothing, next to a fucking mm. half-cooked egg. Oh, dude, it is killer. Damn. Yeah. S- send me the Danger Dan I mean, recipe on that. I'll, I'll try it. You know, I've I've never killed a fish that I've caught ever, and no I should. Way. I don't know why I don't. Never done it. Dude, and bass is way better. I don't know why people don't eat more. People catch bass all the time, and they just throw them back. And I haven't figured out yeah. why, because bass meat is fucking great, too. No way. It can't be. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a pain in the dick to clean with the way the bones are. But if you're really good with the fillet knife, you don't even have to fucking worry about, like, D, what are, they, what are those little... Uh, you don't have to like descale them or nothing, dude. You get in there and trim that sucker up, and once again, <laughs> fry it in some bacon grease, dude, and you're set on go. I mean, and just like Damn. you know, you can cook anything as you know, when you bread it and you deep fry it like that. It's fucking yeah, that's great too. I don't know what it is about basso, but people just don't eat it. But they love like that's probably the one fish that is caught more than anything else that does not get ate. Huh. Right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like it's just a game fish now, and like people do it for sport. But um, yeah, I mean, if anything, like uh, also a lot of the boys here at the shop, like we all like to go fly fishing too for trout. So if I, I feel like if I were to do it with anything, it'd be like go up there camp, catch one, eat the hell out of it. You've never eat. You've been trout fishing, and you've never fucking cut one up and ate it. Not not once. Well, <laughs> dude, the, the fish here are like. All of our trout are not, our native trout are like five inches long. They're so small. So like they stock them, but it's no, you know, it's just some fish that grew up eating fucking dog food. Yeah. So it's no different than what you're getting at a grocery store anyways. So I don't know. I've never really like had the appeal of it oh, see, too dude, much. You but... take one of those little five inches, right? You don't even have to gut it, dude. Just fucking. Oh, no, you just eat that just thing, don't you? Just that motherfucker <laughs> up and deep fry it and fucking eat the whole thing with the bones and all. Oh, you're some bitch. No, I've actually never done that, but I actually take that. <laughs> in Nepal, this last trip to Nepal, I, at one of the stops, there was this fucking giant bowl, and it was a bunch of fish that were like three, four inches long, and they were just completely whole and deep fried. Hmm. What's that and noise? It was good. Did you just turn on the fan? Yeah. Sorry. No, the air, air, the air compressor. compressor just kicked on. Gotcha. Yeah. But I'll, yeah, I'll so I guess I have eaten a full deep fried fish. Some of the bigger ones you could fill the bones, but now it makes because like you're right, the native trout in most places I fish are really small. They're harder to yeah. catch. Uh, they're a lot prettier, but the stockers, you know. 
They're a little easier to catch. And, yes, they just grow up fucking like everything at the store. But even then, it's so awesome to, like, pull something out of the water, fucking skin that motherfucker, and cook it up. I cooked some up for Jake and us uh, on our Colorado trip. Did you really? Yeah. I don't know if I heard about that. Some trout? Dude, I caught trout almost every – I think almost every time I pulled out my pole, I brought a fish in. Dang, they didn't mention that. Oh, uh, it's because they were embarrassed. Fuck it. At one point, <laughs> at one point, we went and bought fly fishing gear, dude. Like Jake bought a pole and everything. Oh yeah, that's right. And still, none he, of those dudes caught any fish. I'm not a good teacher. Got like, skunks. You know, like, yeah, I mean gatherers. They're I was gatherers. showing them all how to do it, and none of them caught anything. And I walked and grabbed my pole, and just it just they just jump on the hook. Hell yeah. I don't know what I was telling Damn right. Them. I don't know what I told them to do, but it was wrong, apparently. <laughs> it's, there's a touch to it. That's for sure. It's, it's, I don't so know. you I went like, from uh, working on jet skis to going to college to become a mechanical engineer. At that point, where did you think that was going to take you to, like, the two-stroke heavens of building uh, stand-up jet skis? Um, No, I kind of went with a... I kind of tried to cater like my college to uh, actually like gas turbine engines, like jet engines. Like I really wanted to get into that field. Okay. Um, never really worked out too well. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I wanted. That was my ambitious young self back then. That's awesome. So like gas engines, you're not talking about for like the, uh, the cars I see at the racetrack in Ennis, you're thinking more like planes and shit, right? Yeah, yeah, like aviation stuff. Yeah, that'd be wicked. So, yeah, my my dad was always been a pilot, like a like a hobby pilot, and um, I don't know. I've always loved it, and it's just such like an interesting thing. And also, like GE Aviation um, moved to Greenville, South Carolina, like um, right when I was graduating. And uh, Siemens Energy is here, too. So they do, you know, gas turbines for, like, power generation. So I don't know. I thought there was a pretty good chance I could I could have gotten into it. And it could have been, like, an interesting field. But just it didn't is, out that it way. It is an interesting field. Like, you know, when I think about the helicopter mechanics, I mean, I've never met that I can think of too many airplane mechanics. And I'm sure it's, like, not too much different than a helicopter. But, like... I always just think of, like, how important that is. You know, like, it's not like being in a car or on a bike and your bike or your car breaking down going down the road. You know, like, if that happens while you're in the fucking air, you got a a serious situation on your hands. So, to you know, to be a mechanic on something that somebody is going to fly through the air, you have got to have your shit together. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a... I think that's like an appeal to me, honestly. I mean, and I thought that every time I went up in the plane with my dad, it's just like, you know, there's just thousands of parts with a lot of weird forces and a lot of shit going on, you know, to like completely trust it. I don't know. It's a weird thing to think about. But, yeah, I got a um, question for you since you're a little familiar, more familiar with that than I am. So like if I, you know, was to go and buy or first off, go get a license and buy a plane, right? And want to fly it around is there some kind like in texas specifically you got to have your car inspected is there like some kind of 
I'm sure there's some kind of inspection for your planes yearly, but is there like a mandated uh, service that you have to get done by some kind of licensed mechanic on a regular basis, or are they do they leave that up to the individuals who are flying, assuming that if they're going to put themselves in the air that they would have had somebody, uh, you know, competent enough to check um, it out? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't really – I don't know exactly. I never really – done much work or anything like that on airplanes at all um my like i mean when your dad did he his. have to have like somebody specific check over the plane every once in a while after a certain amount of hours or yeah there's there's definitely annuals and there's definitely like a certain amount of hours you can have on like the top end and stuff like that i'm pretty sure and i want to say even if you like if you do some like somewhat major work to a plane somebody probably have to uh like check it out and approve it but man i'm I'm really not positive but because it seems like since you're flying over other individuals that you would be held to us you know they would say all right just because you think it's okay you have to get okayed by a certified master fucking airplane technician or some shit yeah i mean i think you'd be surprised at what you're allowed to do (laughs) to to it uh, well that's kind of what i he was he, he was always tinkering with it like you know when he in the in the hangar and like doing all that stuff, but uh, I don't know. That's a that's a great question. I should ask him a little bit more about that because I I never really helped him a whole lot with it. Did you ever fly? Yeah, I mean, not like a solo or anything like that. But with him, like we would go up and he would you know teach me how to use a lot of the navionics on there and uh, and like fly approaches and patterns around the you know around the runway and pretty much do everything except for like touching down, but takeoffs and everything else. We do some barrel rolls up there and stuff like that too. So, and, uh, you know, it was like right on the lake too. Um, the runway was, so, you know, we could go down and buzz the water and fly low and all that stuff. It was fun. It was a great time. That's what, I mean, I would love to get a pilot's. Honestly, I would love to just have the money to go buy an old crop duster and just fucking take off in my field and just see what happens. I did meet a guy one time, and I've told this story so many times. Fuck anybody who doesn't want to hear it again. But I met a guy one time. He was at a bar in New Mexico, and he owned a his family owned like a giant chunk of land that spread from Texas to Montana. And I'm sure there was like, you know, it wasn't connected by any means, but he had land all the way there with cattle all over it. So he was always paying these pilots to fly him around so he could go look at all the herds. And one day he was like, fuck that. I'm going to I'm gonna teach myself how to fly. So he went and bought an airplane and taught himself how to fly. Never took a class or nothing. Now, I'm sure that Damn. as much time as he had logged with other pilots that he had gotten some pointers along the way and probably had somebody show him the ropes. But he did not go get a license. He just bought a plane. And when I met him, he was on Damn. his third plane. And not because those <laughs> planes, like... You know, the motors went bad just because he fucking crashed them. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's all right. I was like, dude, and this guy, he was wearing, like, fucking rank. I mean, he, he did not fit the – I mean, he fit the bill of a crazy person, you know? It was awesome. I can't That's wait awesome. to run yeah, into yeah. that guy again. Yeah, it takes a special person. I mean, I've thought about it, but like I said, man, it's it's like a scary thing to think about being up there by yourself and, you know, like – even even when I was flying, you know, sometimes 
you'd be getting close to the airport and you just couldn't even see the damn thing. Believe it or not, you know, it's just kind of, I don't know. There's a lot to where you're just like, <laughs> I don't trust myself enough to do this. Oh, dude. I mean, <laughs> I've ridden on some sketchy flights before. One time I was landing in West Texas and it was a small fucking plane. And I swear we were coming in. I would say the tail of the plane was it, I don't know, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Just because the wind was blowing so hard, and then as soon as we touched down, oh. it straightened up, and you know we landed. But it was that was sketchy. I flew yeah. in, an, yeah. in an open cockpit plane around like a biplane with a propeller on the front around Key West one time. That was fucking sick, dude. Just fucking wind Damn. in the face, ocean below. Yeah, that was cool. Whoa. And that was like an old ass plane, you know, an old biplane. How'd you get that opportunity? Uh, my sister-in-law. When me and my wife got married, we went to Key West, and her sister lived there and just bought that. It's like a, you know, a tourist thing they Sick. do. So you can buy, a, you know. He just fucking flew us around the island, showed us some shipwrecks, you know, was trying to convince us that he could see a great white or some shark or some shit. I didn't see it. He might have been full of shit. Maybe he wasn't. <laughs> but it was, regardless, it was fucking cool. Yeah. It is, man. There really isn't anything like being up in the air for sure. Have you seen? There's a guy like a, in, uh, he's like just like a. He just makes videos. I mean, I don't know what he does for a living, but he has a plane, and this motherfucker, he has an attachment. He can put two dirt bikes, one on either wing, and he fucking flies into places with his dirt bikes and goes and rides. Whoa, that's fucking that. sick, dude! Like that. Yeah, that's, that's that, that's that guy's fucking, got it figured out, dude. That is fucking cool. A plane with your dirt bikes on it. Come on, damn, that yeah. is cool. But uh, yeah, well, you know, I think that uh, going down that path and learning the things you did to even make that a possibility, you know, working on turbojet engines makes a Harley engine pretty easy to wrap your mind around because they're pretty fucking simple. You know, and most engines, they run off the same principles, you know, like let fuel and air in, you know, contain, you know, build up some pressure, ignite, and then let that shit out and repeat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a tractor engine. There ain't no doubt about it, really. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of nuances in there, but yeah, the basic principle <laughs> of them is, uh, you saying is it's pretty, not that uh, simple? Dude, I mean, it's it's a most of most of what it is is fixing fuck ups from whoever got a hold of them back in the day. It seems like to me, or even Um, a couple years ago, maybe you've got your hands on some motors. I thought I could rebuild. You know, I bought some stones. I bought like a valve. You know, a, a a cutting a valve cutter. Oh yeah. You know, I bought a fucking. I have a hone. Now, as a handheld, yeah, I mean, I I went down the road. I was just like, mainly because I couldn't afford to pay to have it done correctly. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I was ate up with it. When I first rode my shovel head, I was like, fucking for life, dude. You know, like, I got to figure everything out, you know? That's uh, cool. I like that. And, but it all, what it did to me is like made me appreciate, oh, okay, it, you know, it's fucking $600 to have the cylinders honed. Uh, that is so worth the money, you know, than me fucking doing it by hand and probably fucking up the first three times anyhow. Uh, yeah. So, but, you know, 
it's uh, th- there's not a lot to those motors. It's I think what what we have now more than what they have then is like measuring tools that like make uh-huh. like getting the clearances right. You know the the tolerances on everything or you know like the manufacturers are able to make things with tighter tolerances where you get shit that's like like the newer motors are really easy because. You're not really rebuilding much, much of the new shit. It's all comes fucking ready to go from the factory, a little cleanup, and it shit all goes together. The older stuff, it's got bushings and shit that have to be honed to the right degree or fuck, you know, like it's a, it's more, there's more shit going on in those older motors. Yeah, for sure. It, it's cool to see, um, kind of like you said, like, it's cool to see once you built knuckleheads, early pant once you've gone through and done all of them you see you see like their design catered towards efficiency and like making them easier to work on and probably more so than anything just easier for assembly for them out of the factory yes. you know like well and easier for the the <laughs> mechanics to maintain later down the line i mean i think right yeah. now one realization i've had uh with like the motor company and the way that they do things is they're not making these motors more difficult for me to work on. Like, that's not the goal. Like, I used to think that, oh, they're making it where I got to buy these new tools. They're making it more difficult. But really, they're making it easier for them to assemble and easier for them to fill these dealerships up with mechanics that can work on them. Because if you had to rely on every dealership having people that were capable of balancing flywheels and, uh, you know, honing cylinders or... you. They just couldn't do it, right? Like they're, they're yeah. Ju- we're as a society, we're not producing enough people that uh, can do those things. That's the damn sad thing, too. It it fucking is. I mean, that's kind of the realization that I had was really like all the things I dislike about the way the motor code does business these days is really just things that I'm like not happy with that our society is doing as a whole. You know, it's like yeah, it's just things that they do to stay in business in 2023 so i love it that there's people like you that are out there keeping these old things alive because you know there's a point where like it doesn't matter if you have a panhead or shovel head if there's not anybody around that can fucking rebuild that shit then it ain't worth a fucking thing you know like yeah i mean i talk to my motor guy all the time like do you have luckily he's got a younger guy in there now but i've given him a hard time for a long time about like teaching this shit to somebody right you know i'm like you're fucking older than me you are not gonna last forever i'm gonna need somebody that has this you know that can do what you're doing so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's i mean that's yeah i mean that's that's definitely a deal where there's a there's a group of older dudes that have been doing it forever that are you know starting to phase out at least here I'll, i'll you know one of my biggest mentors opie ager out here in Bahama, North Carolina, you know, he's been, he's been doing it his whole life. And he kind of just this year is like, I'm done taking work. I've got years of work and I'm not doing anymore, but yeah, it's, and it's, you can't, you can't just buy a manual and build these things. There's, it takes a big group of people to ask questions, to run ideas off of each other, try different things on. I mean, there, there's a ton of people, um, that have helped me for sure. That's awesome. And it's awesome that they were, you know, one thing I find that's hard for a lot of younger people getting into that is just communicating with those older dudes that do have the information, you know, like they're not always the easiest dudes to communicate with. Uh, 
and they're not always just willing to share information. You know, they didn't grow up with the Internet and everything being available to everybody. Uh, so a lot of them do kind of hold that as though it's like, you know, fuck, I worked a long time to get this. I'm not just going to give it to you. It's like fucking show up and sweep the shop for six months, and then maybe I'll yeah. show you this, which, you know, I don't think is wrong. Uh but like I say, it's just they just communicate differently. So it takes a little bit of work for some younger dude to uh, to break through those, you know, those boundaries or those, you know, those walls that those dudes have built. Uh, yeah, getting to where they're absolutely. At. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people too that like <laughs> ask them a lot of stuff and then decide engine billing's not for them, and then they don't even pursue it. And oh, I'm I sure think it's they happened. feel like they've wasted their time and. You know, it's, I'm sure they've been through, I, I'm, I'm getting a little, <laughs> I'm getting a little grouchy myself these days already. I can see it <laughs> happening. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that that's part of the reason why they're difficult to communicate is because there's been a fucking hundred motherfuckers that think, I mean, cause just like me, like I wanted to know the information. I was like, I'm going to do this. And then it's like, oh wait, I really don't have the patience to do this good. You know, like. It's it's more effective for me to to find funds another way and give it to somebody who does have the patience and the desire and the tooling uh, and the knowledge yeah. to do this job. Because yeah, you know, once you do have the knowledge, it still takes uh, a special type of person to be able to sit down and fucking do these things day after day. Yeah, I, I mean, I th- even talking to other people that do it, you just you gotta love it. It's not like. Uh, I tell people this all the time. This shit ain't putting a pool in my backyard. That's for sure. So um, <laughs> it's just, I mean, you just have to really love it. And and you have to want to, like, get better at it. And just like you're saying alone, tooling, like, Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I'm a tool addict, I think. But uh, just getting all the tools to not even just do stuff, but just to do it efficiently, to be able to make money oh, is, yeah. like, a task in itself that I don't think I even realized when I first started doing it. But, uh, you know, and the more you do it, it's like, wow, I could buy this $800 tool and do a job in an hour instead of taking four hours. You know, it's probably worth it. I should just go ahead and buy the damn set, you know, like, Oh yeah. And then there's tools that they they don't sell that you could spend the time making. Like, you know, my guy, Boston Billy, Dude, his shop, I, I hope one day you have uh, time and you are in the area to go by his shop in Metairie because it's incredible. And he's got a wall of just, like, custom-made jigs that are, you know, s- to hold a cylinder in the, you know, at this angle so that he can do this job or, you know, to hold a head at this angle so that he can do that job. And, you know, he spent years building these things and deciding what was worth building and, and built it, and now he's got some really nice tools that, you know, yeah, that are on his yeah. wall that you can't buy in a fucking, you can't buy them at Snap On, you can't buy them anywhere. Yeah, uh, I, and honestly, it's probably one of my favorite things about this is making fixtures and and my own tools and stuff like that. It's like a, it's like a fun little hobby away from engines to where I can you know machine something or make a one off part that's like not some stressful old rare case that, you know, you could fuck up if you do something wrong, you know, it's like a fun project to do where, you know, I, I like to design stuff and uh, like, you know, I like to 3d model it, dimension it all out and then just go make it. But it's, it takes time, you know, sometimes they'll take a couple weeks or longer and you're just like, fuck, 
I'm not making any money right now. I need to be actually working on engines, but I have to make this just to like make life easier. Yeah. Well, so. you'll appreciate that years from now. Yeah, I think so. You know, back I to mean, that, still- that not putting a pool in your backyard. You know, that's one thing I do love about the motorcycle industry is most motherfuckers that have been in this for a while, they didn't get into it and they're not continuing to do it because they're getting rich doing it. You know, like yeah. they're doing it because they fucking love it, you know? Yeah. And I do. Yeah, I think. That. Yeah, I think so for sure. And it's like, it just seems like people love it and feel like they have something to offer in different ways. Like even, even every engine builder has like their own specialty deals that, you know, that they kind of fixate on more than other things. You know, there, there's so many different styles to it, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it took me a long time to grasp why my local mechanic would send heads off to get done someplace. I'm like, I thought you were the mechanic. It's like, yeah, I am. But I know a guy who's got a shop and he does heads really fucking good. You know, and it's worth yeah. it's worth me instead of investing in that tooling to do it as good as he does is to send him the money and then let him do the yeah. heads and then bring him back. Uh, or a guy that does aluminum welding really good. It's like, all right, you, I'll let this guy fix the case and then I'll do the rest of it. Uh, yeah. And I could see how like finding, you know, the right people in your area that are efficient to use and easy to work with, uh, you know, can help you hone in on what it is you enjoy the most so that you can do that the best to your ability. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I was actually kind of surprised by that. That's a great point. Like I just kind of figured everybody around this area just did everything, you know, themselves. Um, it's really, it's really not the case, but I mean, I, I do everything. I don't, I don't know. I haven't outsourced a single thing ever once. And, uh, I don't know. It's probably because I, I don't know. I'm definitely like a meticulous, a bit of a perfectionist, maybe to a fault where I just get hung up on shit. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like if I didn't do it, it wouldn't be the quality I'd want it to, but it definitely makes it more labor intensive. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it does. And time consuming. Yes. Uh, but that's good. I mean, that's, I mean, and right now, given you've only been doing this for a handful of years, uh, being able to do everything makes you be able, you know, that way if you do outsource it in the future, you know how or why it's done correctly or incorrectly from another source. And you can have a conversation that that person can really, you know, hear instead of just you saying something from not knowing, like, hey, this looks like shit. And they can, you know, it, it, it'll just help you be able to communicate in the future, even to com- customers at that point, you know. Like, yeah, hey, this costs a lot of fucking money. Let me tell you why. You know, putting this front engine mount back on your fucking case uh, is not easy for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah, for sure. How many of yeah. those have you I replaced mean, that like front? What is it? The the front left one it always breaks on me. That front left ear is a real real pain in the ass. Um, yeah. I'm probably honestly probably like forty percent of them, thirty or forty percent of them have to. That or that or even a repair I don't I don't like. I'll just cut the whole damn thing off and redo it myself. Just um, so yeah. I mean, but I, that's <laughs> that's kind of what I like. I like doing cast aluminum repair. I okay. like doing precision machining stuff. But uh, at the same time, man, you just find yourself sitting there at the welding table for hours on end, 
you know, shaping and filing and something to the point you're like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't want to do this again. And then, you know, you see it done and you're happy with it. You're proud of it. And you just kind of want to try it again. And and also just get better every time. It's not like I wouldn't say I'm, you know, know everything 100%. I mean, I've, there's always some kind of little trick, always something else that like, you can always get better at it. So yeah, it just takes time. It takes other people fucking motors up, too. Yeah. There's plenty of that it happening, does. though. Yeah. So how many uh, like how many vintage bikes are running around Charlotte right now? Like, is there a lot of everyday riders out there? Or I guess it's kind of cold right now, but, like, during the summertime, is there a pretty big uptick in the last few years, maybe since I was there? And since Prism There's, and you guys have been doing what you've been doing up there for the amount of years you have? Yeah, I mean, it's almost hard to say because I feel like early on we just had, like, a big group of young people in Charlotte that were really into it and, like, made a lot of good friends and we'd all go ride to the mountains and stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, it's here in our older age, it's somewhat broken up into smaller and smaller groups. But out out here, man, it's like – there are so many people into it that you don't even know because they don't care to be on Instagram uh, or, you know, they just build a shit in their garage and ride it. And, you know, you'll see them out or they'll roll by the shop and you're just like, Holy shit. I didn't know you were around here and you know, they have badass bikes. And I love seeing that. Know. Cause that, that same, that's a great point. Like out here, there used to be a pretty heavy click and it's kind of like, you know, it's gone in different directions and different. It's split up into different groups, and and those groups have gone and inspired others. And you know, we go to our local show, uh, like Texas Fandango, or now Born Free Texas. Like there was so many fucking bikes that came out of the woods that were from right here in Texas that were fucking badass. It was really cool to yeah. see, like how much new blood there is out there doing it and just not even new just people that have finally connected to what's going on and yeah uh, it's really fucking cool to see yeah absolutely for sure um well uh i gotta ask you something what do you think <laughs> about jake in this fucking pan america <laughs> they're cool they're cool. I, I dig them. It's not, you know, it's just not my, it's not my deal. I just, I really just like choppers are kind of the, the thing that just really appealed to me. I mean, you know, me and the wife have taken the mounts and stuff and it's like, it has a place. It's sick. And they're fun to ride on gravel roads. And, you know, especially doing what you do, like you have to have that thing. Like, and it's fun. But, um, did you guys see that coming? Um, you know, I kind of, a lot of, a lot of the ventures and stuff that he gets into, I don't really, I don't really get my nose into until like they're happening and it's coming to the shop and you're just like, Oh shit, cool. You know? So I, I guess not. Um, but at the same time, like it's Jake, he's, he's just good at stuff like that. So in, in a sense, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, like, I didn't see it coming with Jake, but when I you know, took a second and looked back. I'm like, well, he did the fucking vintage 1000. You know, I knew that he rode dirt bikes, you know, like it, it, it fits like it, it's, it's not as yeah. shocking as one might think if they know Jake, uh, 
and it's you know I think it's it's interesting that Harley's even going down that path. Uh, I think it's fucking awesome because I was going down that path with or without him. And oh yeah, uh, yeah, I heard that because <coughs> to be honest with you, I, I kind of I kind of assumed you were like you had something going with Harley to where they gave you that thing, but like you did you did buy that thing, right? Fuck like, yeah, dude! Was, like right like, out of the gate, man. Like yeah, I mean, and I was. I bought it for a lot of reasons, but mainly it was because I wanted an adventure bike anyways. And yeah. honestly, that video that they put out with fucking Aquaman, Jason Momoa, you know, and like just reminding me uh, the core values in Harley Davidson. And it like, you know, fuck, I've, I've built this podcast. I've built MC Shop Tees on, you know, on the backs of the Harley Davidson, um, you know, fucking, uh, what am I trying to say? The whole, just the whole, bro- the brotherhood of the Harley Davidson, really, you know? like, uh, And I was just stoked that they were going to try to do something new in that vein. Because I never thought I'd buy a fucking brand new bike, ever. Like, def- I mean, yeah. I never thought I would buy a brand new Harley. Like, I fucking would love to buy a brand new dirt bike every year. Uh, but I never thought I would buy a brand new Harley until that came around and I saw that video yeah. and I was like, fuck, all right, I got to buy one. Like, I got to do it. Yeah, I mean, they look cool as hell. I mean, for for something newer, like, I don't know. I think they nailed, like, the adventure bike stuff against, like, KTM and BMW and stuff like that. Like, it just, it looks, it's not massive. It's, you know, you can definitely thrash that thing out there. I mean, I uh, we've done it enough here and it's fun it's fun like hey you think we can make it up this hill on this thing <laughs> yeah. stuff like that but um it's cool i'm watching jake rip out of here on one right now he's they still ride every every day to work on them oh that's fucking sweet uh that's awesome yeah i was just curious as to what the uh uh you know what the shop thought about that you know like fuck Jake's riding it. That's not helping us sell sports to parts, you know? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've just, I've just always been like, you know, the whole choppers only deal. Like, that's really the only thing that really appeals to me. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, I will say Pan Americas are different, but like, you know, sitting on a stock Harley or something like that, it just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. Um, what about the but, older but, uh, ones? I, yeah. Exactly. So, no. So you but, don't. You do, or you don't like the older stock Harleys. Oh, I mean, I love. I love stock, older ones. Really? But just you know, yeah, I do. More and more, you know. Now that I've gotten into engines and like, I really didn't give a shit about like what years Harley did this and this and this before. But now that I've gotten into engines, I'm like, you know, really nerd out on like what years they changed something or went to something new. And I can really appreciate, uh, you know, people, um, you know, keeping an old stock one. I mean, for your standpoint, I imagine like seeing the flaws and seeing how they overcame them and changed things throughout the years to make things better. Like, you know, you gain some appreciation, like, fuck yeah, they changed this part and, you know, 59 because in 58 these oil pumps were you know like they did a new oil pump almost every year the panhead you know trying to to get that the what is it the 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 research the uh the scavenger to scavenge better or whatever it was but like knowing 
what they changed and why they changed it gives you more of an appreciation for you know those uniqueness uniquenesses in each year. Yeah, I mean, even just like rebuilding the heads on a knucklehead is like, what the fuck? They're they're so backwards of how you would ever think they would go together, and it's so dumb. <laughs> like you can definitely tell, you can definitely tell it was their first crack at it. I mean, they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I love them. Like, you know, who, who doesn't love them, but just the style and the looks of them are great, but like just how they're assembled and how many damn parts are in a head. It's just unreal. So like, if you look at that compared to a a shovel head, you know, it's, (laughs) it's a leaps and bounds different. Yeah. But there's, they're still so similar that, you know, Yeah. yeah, you can appreciate the changes that they made. I mean, the, I think the most blatantly obvious change that I see or that I always think about is the, the intakes from, like, the pan head to the shovel head. You know, like, the pan head, it just, like, goes from the carburetor and just hits a fucking wall. You know, it's like hits a T yeah. and then goes to the heads. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the shovel head, you know, they, like, put some flow to that. You know, like, oh, let's, let's separate it a little early and kind of guide the air and the fuel into the heads where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you can definitely tell they've just learned from their, you know, they've just learned over the years. They, you know, they, yeah, I don't know. They just, they definitely like figured all that out. <laughs> I don't fucking know. It was stupid <laughs> as hell at first. <laughs> so have you worked on any like uh, flatheads or JDs or anything like that? No, I would love to. Nobody's brought me one and it's kind of like, I, I would love to. And if somebody came and said they wanted one, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it hundred percent. But you know, it's, it's almost like getting into, like we were saying before, just another endeavor where I'm going to have to make a bunch of fixtures Yeah. because <laughs> any, you know, all my customers have been super cool, but like if somebody gives me an engine for the first time I'm doing it, like I give them the heads up, like this thing's going to take a while because I'm going to have to learn a lot and make a lot of things to, to do this the way I want it done. And if you want it back quickly, then, I might not be the person for you right now. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, most good motor builders, it blows my mind how far out there, you know, how big their turnaround rate is. Cause it's like, yeah, some dudes you talk to, it's like, all right, uh, call me back in a year. You know, it's like, what? No, no, no. I want to, I want to ride this spring. They're like, no, no, no. You know, mm-hmm. or, you know, bring it over and it's going to be eight to 10 months or, mm-hmm. you know, one guy I talked to, uh, Carl in, I think he's in North South Dakota. He was like, dude, right now, if somebody calls me that I don't know and wants their fucking knucklehead rebuilt, I say, call me back in three years, three yeah. fucking years. Uh, and most, most engine builders that I've dealt with until I found this guy in Metairie, which I hesitate on even telling many people about, uh, they're fucking out. <laughs> I mean, it's months. You know, what is your turnaround oh, yeah. looking like? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I'm kind of in that boat. I'm telling people one and a half to two years at the moment. Really? So, so are I, you doing I this full time right now? No. And that's that's one thing I was going to bring up. Um, so still right now, I, I work for Prism part time. Um, Monday through Wednesday, I work for Prism still. Okay. Uh, that was kind of my jump from doing my job into, you know, making a leap towards doing this full time, but there's still a lot 
to to get it full time. So usually the work schedule is Monday through Wednesday. I work for Prism, and then I get off at five o'clock, and I usually stay here till ten thirty at night, Monday through Wednesday. And I just stay here and do my work. And then Thursday and Friday and Saturday, I'm in here for eh, maybe nine or 10 hours a day doing, doing my stuff. So, I mean, I just, I live in the shop right now. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. But I bet, I bet it is good to kind of break it up working with Prism and doing stuff that you don't have to think about as much or like, you know, at least somebody else has set the schedule, you know, you're just, you know, you're doing what needs to be done over there. And then you get to break off and do your own thing uh, and go back and forth just to kind of keep things up. Yeah, it, it's just kind of, it's, you know, at first I did that because I was like, I, you know, I did not have a wait time like that when I quit my job. I I just kind of had, I just kind of had it with doing engineering and just kind of said, fuck it. And, you know, Jay, you know, was like, well, work, work here part-time and do your thing. So I'm, I'm forever in debt to Jake for sure. But, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. And there's just so much I want to do and going back to equipment and tools and stuff. Like there's so much that I need and that I want still that if I were to do this full time and try to like take money from it, all the money from it. to like, you know, pay my mortgage and do all that shit. Like, I just don't think I could get to where, want this thing to be at yeah if that makes sense no no i got you you're like right now you need to have some some uh some playroom so that you can invest back in yeah. the company yeah i mean and also like the end goal like i don't know how many many years down the road but me and the wife want to move out to the country I, i've i've had my feeling with of the city at this point and we just want to move out and have some land and have a shop in the back of my house and just set it up completely like how I want to with the, you know, the equipment, lathe mill and stuff that, you know, tool room quality stuff and just have it dialed in to where, you know, it really caters to what I'm doing more. And it's just like thinking about all of that. It's like, there's just no way unless I just like keep saving. So yeah, yeah. that's where I'm at. Well, I got a question. So that dream shop you're thinking of, are you going to mm-hmm. go CNC or are you going to, have manual machines in there Mm, i would definitely manual yeah um for for most of what i do but yeah i would love to i would love to own a cnc one day i mean you know prison got one a year ago or so and we've like that thing in a pinch has like helped me with a lot of the parts i was making um for like a one-off part for an engine um and stuff like that and I don't know. I love all that shit. Machining is my favorite. I, <laughs> I love machining. So, uh, but mostly manual. Yeah. No, I dabbled in it. I fucking actually took some classes at my local college a few years ago. And, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I just wanted to know more. It just, you know, I, I just wanted to know, I wanted, I wanted to be able to make everything in my shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, le- I learned a lot there. Once again, I, one of the biggest things I took away was I do not have the fucking patience to do this as good as somebody else. Does. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the coolest thing you made for a bike? Oh, uh, the coolest thing I've made for a bike. I mean, I mean, I've made some cool things, but really the, the stuff I like the most is like repurposing other things. Like, like right now, one of my favorite pieces is a sissy bar. My neighbor made back in 1976. And, you know, I made that fit my chopper. Now, it was on a straight leg frame back then as well, just like it is now. But 
you know, I had to beef it up. I'm a little bit rough on things. Uh, I broke it <laughs> a couple of times. Brad Gregory uh, helped me out the last time I broke it in, I think that wherever the fuck he's at in Arizona. But that's like, I love making shit fit that wasn't designed to fit to begin with. So, like, one-offs, I mean, the the controls I made on my bike are cool, but I didn't use any fucking machines. I had a fucking blowtorch and a grinder, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, that's way more my speed. That's a uh, less, uh, you know, you don't need as much patience to fucking heat some shit up with a torch and bend <laughs> it around. And, uh, it, and the amount of like technology put into the foot controls I have makes me think everybody builds their shit way overboard. You know, like you don't need fucking <laughs> bushing. It's like, dude, metal on metal has been working fine for me for years. You know, like once a year oh. I put some like fucking, you know, boat grade grease in there and I fucking run it for the whole year. You're, you're talking to an engineer here. I'm cringing. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, I, I mean, got I got a piss real quick. Is that cool? I yeah, mean, you keep rolling. Yeah, Just make mean, my I, piss sound harder in the toilet than it probably actually sounds. You know? Oh, dude, I bet it sounds like you got a big <laughs> hog, dude. <laughs> dude, buttonhead over here, buddy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, it's tough. It's crazy how much holding some piss affects your brain and how you can oh, think dude. and talk. It's like. Uh, I can't even get this thought out. It's right there, but it's blocked by the piss that can't come out of my dick right now. <laughs> Dude, I was recording a That's... podcast one time, and and it was a long one. This guy was long-winded. We ended up talking for like four or five hours. And at one point, I'm trying to shut the podcast down so I can take a piss, and he's just not taking any of the cues. So... <laughs> I'm like, all right, I got to go pee. And without skipping a beat, he just grabs all my recording equipment and doesn't stop talking and walks over to the fucking edge of my shop with me as I just take a piss, you know? And I'm like, I guess I guess that's I guess we're not ending it now. We'll just keep fucking going. Did you roll with it? Oh yeah, I just kept going like, you know, okay, I, you know. I didn't want to cut him off completely, but I it, I had to fucking take a piss. Uh, incredible I love that It was uh, But yeah What you sipping on over there? Uh, I made some coffee Okay And I have it in one of those Like it's a big stainless steel uh, French press Nice And it's not warm anymore <laughs> And you know Coffee just doesn't taste near as good When it's not warm what are you uh, sipping on? I heard you crack one. I cracked, I cracked a little bush light over here. Oh, you're on the bush yeah. light, huh? That's that's where my life has taken me. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking beautiful. Is it, is it a camo can? They got the orange boxes out right now. Uh, it was. It's like those blue. It's like the blue with the camo. What's what's the deal with that? Oh, they got blue camo, huh? I thought so. I mean, yeah. it, it is hunting like season, that. so I would imagine that nice. they got some camo. You been hunting any? I have been. Dude, Thanksgiving morning, I fucking missed a buck. It's, it's the biggest buck I've seen out here in, in probably four or five years. But I've been seeing his tracks for about three, and I finally put my eyes on him. 
and he was fixing to jump over the neighbor's prop over the fence onto the neighbor's property. And <coughs> I don't not even bashful about saying that a few years ago I would have just waited till he jumped over the fence and then shot him and then drug him back over to my side of the fence. But recently, the neighbors, I don't know if it's new neighbors or what, they, the property behind me, they cleared it all out. Like, 150 acres is now, like, you can see across the whole property, where it used to just be wild bush. So Damn. it was a little easier to, like, you know, pull the deer back over my fence without anybody seeing. But now you can see the whole piece of property. So I rushed a shot, and that's my excuse for missing. But I've, I totally Damn. fucking whiffed him. Uh, which sucks because I had just put up like a little temporary blind where I was watching this little alleyway where I knew that they were coming from my place and going over to the neighbors. Uh, cause I don't hunt like a feeder or nothing. Most people in Texas, they set up a feeder and they feed the deer, you know, through the fall. And then when hunting season comes around, they just go out there and shoot a deer off their feeder. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm opposed to that, but I like, I don't know. I like want to have a little bit more of a challenge. So until this year, I would literally just like lay in the bushes and wait for them to come by. Uh, That's sick. But this year I got like a little pop up, you know, like it's a fuck. It's a little circle thing that pops up into a blind so I can sit in there. And uh, yeah, I was in that and he fucking, yeah, he, he walked right exactly where I knew there was going to be deer coming. And I don't have it, like, trimmed out to where I have, like, a good visual. Like, I'm, like, seeing him walk, and there's I'm just, like, seeing him through the trees and the branches. Like, okay, he's going to come to the clearing. And then he gets to, he, like, gets to the only spot in the clearing where I can barely see him, and he can still jump over the fence. Uh but it was cool to see Damn. him. But I could tell that he noticed something was different in my direction. Like, you know, he was very uh, timid or he was looking my direction like he could see the blind. Like, he couldn't tell what was different, but he saw that there, the blind was there and that something was different. And then so I shot, and now I just reaffirmed that, yes, there was something different. Next time you see something slightly off, just run. So it's going to make him harder to find, which – is good because it'll make it harder for anybody else out here to shoot him. Therefore, he can get bigger, and then one day I will get good enough to fucking find that motherfucker and shoot his ass. And fucking whiff again. Yeah, I mean, maybe so. But, I mean, honestly, I just fucking hunt to put meat in the refrigerator. Uh, Yeah. I don't even, you know, I mean, I I fucking, I mainly shoot the does, you know. (laughs) Oh, wait, yeah, didn't I talk to you? Last week or so, and didn't you didn't you hit one and didn't you hit a doe and no. <laughs> looking for it? No. Oh, it must have been the buck you're talking about then. My oh, bad. maybe yeah, maybe I talked to you. I mean, that was you Thanksgiving were, you were walking morning. around in a field looking for something. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe I was looking for blood, but I, there was no blood. There was nothing to track. <laughs> there was Just no, open. No signs of any damage. Uh, <laughs> You know, and with the speed uh, that he took off and ran away from me with, uh, it did not look injured whatsoever. But, you know, I have seen a deer uh, get shot and run really fast like nothing was wrong and then die. I have luckily, I have never shot an animal that I had to, like, blood track. 
Like, oh, really? Everything I've ever shot has died within like 50 yards. Damn. Um, but it's mainly because I'm shooting at pretty close range, too. Like, I don't have, like, I'm not making fucking 300 yard shots out here. Mm hmm. I don't have. You know, I guess I could clear up a lane where I could see that far, but you just can't see that far anywhere because there's fucking trees everywhere. So I just lay in the bushes and wait till they walk by. Fucking is that typical in Texas to like to ground hunt them? Is no, tree that's what I'm like saying. No, I mean most people hunt in tree stands or just build a stand or, you know, have a deer feeder that they can, you know, that they put a stand by. I mean, you can drive. Like, most of the roads that we like to ride our choppers on, they're. You know, you just see little wooden boxes off in the distance out in the woods because people put up a deer stand. They clear out a fucking area so that they can see a good distance and, you know, which is smart. And I guess if I had more time around here, I might do that. But, no, I'm, like, riding motorcycles until it gets fucking cold out, and then I come over here and try and kill stuff. Hell, yes. Hell, yeah. What about you? You go hunting? You been hunting? Man, my brother is huge into it. He is eat up with it. He always has been, um, mainly Bo. And I've went with him a couple times and just, you know, didn't see anything, just bored of shit. It wasn't, it wasn't my deal. Um, I would maybe like to have another crack at it now because um, that was a long time ago. But honestly, like uh, turkey hunting really appeals to me. I haven't done it, but I think... I would like something to where you're on the ground and kind of stalking it a little bit more than just sitting up in a tree. Yeah. Um, or bird hunting too. Like I've always loved like quail and uh, dove hunting and stuff like that. So that's kind of a little bit more my speed, but I haven't done it in years. So yeah, I mean that shit's real fun bird hunting, but I think, you know, back to your point about getting bored, I think that's why I hunt deer the way I do is because I can't just sit in a fucking blind and wait. You know, like, I got to yeah. get out there and, you know, fucking crawl around or, you know. I like to look at the ground and see what, try and figure out what the deer are doing naturally and then set myself up at the proper place at the proper time to to smoke one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, bird hunting is fun. You know, and, and I think that comes from when I started as a kid with a friend. His dad was like a an avid hunter guide all over the country. And when he took me hunting for the first time, we went out during rut, you know, when the bucks are looking to fuck the does. And he, <laughs> he, we would fucking set up in a spot, get like a, you know, a good vantage point uh, where we couldn't, you know, we couldn't be seen very well. And then he would fucking rattle some horns together. And we would just, you know, we would hang out there for 30, 40 minutes. And if nothing comes up, we'd fucking go to the next place and he'd rattle some. And then every once in a while, he'd rattle in the right spot, dude, and the bucks would just come charging at us. No uh, way. Oh, dude, it's wild when you rattle some horns together on the, you know, in the area of a buck where he's like, this is my fucking domain. Who the fuck is fighting over my does, you know? And he comes in fucking mm -hmm. hot. Uh, All horned up. Yeah, but and I've never really done that uh, since then since I've had a place to hunt because once again, I hunt for meat and I don't, this is just me maybe overthinking it. Uh, but I think like during the rut is not a great time to take a buck cause he's all fucking horn dogged up. He's got those hormones running through his meat, you know, like it's, 
you know, yeah, I, I no, figured, oh, dude, it just seems like yeah. if you just smoke one while he's out eating in the morning, uh, you're gonna have a better fucking tasting meat, you know, he's just like fucking chilling, doesn't know anything's after yeah. him. It's like, I mean, yeah, do you, I mean, like, again, you said you do it for me, but like, you really feel accomplished when the deer is like the most vulnerable. <laughs> it's like the same as uh, like bass fishing. Like I won't fish a tournament if, you know, if they're spawning and on beds, like I'm not going to rip a huge fish off of its bed to make another big fish just to like put it in the live well and take it to a scale. Like, I'm just not going to do that. It just doesn't sound right to me. So I, f- I feel that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're, it's crazy to fuck with a fish if you're not going to eat his ass. <laughs> Like, oh, you just ruined uh, that fucking fish's day so that you could look at him? <laughs> yeah. Fucking put him fucking back? slap him on the belly and put him back in? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck just happened to me? <laughs> have you ever fly fished for bass? Um, I have a few times off the lake, but it's kind of like, it's just not ideal. Um, no. It's... No, because bass, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing with bass is they're in those places where there's fucking logs and sticks and just yeah. shit. I mean, I've done it for smallmouth, like in rivers, but like on the lake, just, you know, the stuff that you have to throw on a fly rod is so light, it's hard to trigger a bass to even bite it because it's just so like slow in the water. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really work too good. So, so my pond, we've tried. My pond, you could fucking fish for the, the big, the large mouth with uh, a big old like, caterpillar looking thing or a grasshopper on the fly rod and it's oh, fun really? once you get one of those fuckers on a fly rod it's like holy oh, yeah. shit these fuckers fight oh yeah a little different when you're just like fucking got the zebco 33 and you're just fucking reeling his ass in <laughs> yeah oh do you use an open face or you use a bait caster what do you like um bait bait casters mostly but um a lot of like spinning rod stuff so lake norman is like extremely pressured fishery um there's tournaments like every weekend all throughout the year there's people out there all and it's also alabama texas and north carolina are like the three that are known to like produce professional bass fishermen okay yeah so a lot of times when I go out to fish one of these tournaments, the people that I'm watching on TV are the pros. So like they're good. And it's like to be able to catch them, it's, it's pretty difficult. So sometimes you have to go to like spinning rods just to throw small enough baits that like they'll actually eat because they just know better than to bite some big shit around us. So, um, did you just say, did you just say you watch fishing on TV? Oh, dude, ate up with it. Oh, like when I'm in the shop, I put I put a TV in my room so I can like leave a tournament on all day in here and just like check in on it every once in a while. Oh, I love it. Do they film turn? They like televised tournaments. Oh yeah, it's like uh, yeah, from like seven in the morning till like four or five o'clock is yeah. They, it's like a live stream of it now, and yeah, it's it's an intense thing. There's you know. They're fishing for sometimes like a quarter of a million dollars out there. So oh, that's fucking wild, dude. I love it. Uh, so and you fish tournaments as well. Yeah, yeah, just smaller ones around. Um, mostly, actually, this uh, last weekend, 
uh, fished my first one of the year. There's like a, there's like a fall winter trail that I like every year that, you know, go for every weekend through February or so. And, uh, just fished my first one of those. So it's good. That's rad. So do you listen to any fishing podcasts? Oh, buddy. When I'm in the shop, headphones on, probably 30 hours a week of fishing <laughs> podcasts. I'm, I'm not shitting you. Uh, what do you listen to? <laughs> Tell me about these. Uh, I mean, there's there's local ones where I'm just trying to, you know, get a little bit of secrets that some of these old guys that just crush them every weekend. So sometimes I'm just trying to get some local stuff. There's a uh, stray cast is like, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a group of anglers that are like you and I would get down with, okay. you know, not, not what you would expect your like redneck, uh, fishermen to be, but just some dudes that can hang and are cool and are really good fishermen. So people like that, um, but just more technical stuff than anything. Like I just like trying to get better at anything really that I'm into. So have you ever gotten uh, into any... like rebuilding old reels? Um, not old ones, but I, I, <laughs> I've got a little section of my shop here where I, you know, have some stuff to rebuild my reels with and like regrease and reoil bearings and stuff like that. And ultrasonic clean everything. I go through them every once in a while. Nice. Yeah, I did that. A couple of years ago, I went through my reels in just like a couple of handful, like just like old Abu Garcia fucking open face reels. My dad was real big yeah. into those, and I was like, "Oh fuck," you know. And they have like a rebuild program that they do, so I'd fuck them up and, and then just send them to those guys, and they fix them. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anything meticulous like that, I love taking apart and cleaning and anything like that. I recorded a podcast one time in a canoe, uh, fishing, uh, who's with, with Bigfoot Robbie down there in, uh, Alabama. Bigfoot Robbie. Yeah. You not know Bigfoot Robbie. He's got a fucking bitching iron head chopper. He rides around with his dog on the back. He can shoot an, he can shoot an Advil out of the air with a slingshot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know him personally, but, like, I've definitely been to, like, motorcycle stuff with him there and stuff. Dude, he is a fucking legend, dude. He's a fishing motherfucker, too. Let's let's kick that back up. Get me out there and uh, let's do something like dude, that. Dude, and that river that runs through Birmingham is, like, one of the most bio... It may I think it is the most biodiverse river in the country. Like, it's got... So many different kinds of fucking fish right there. And it just goes right through the middle of town. And we put in the canoe, and it literally, you get swallowed up by trees and nature. I mean, we dropped the canoe, like, right in the middle of town. And the next thing you know, it was like you couldn't hear any of the sounds of town. We were just fucking on this fucking river. Damn. It was cool. He's a he's a really interesting cat, and he knows a lot about fish. Hell, yeah. Do you ever go My out to the guy. ocean and fish at all? Um, not really. I've, uh, my brother lived in Florida for a few years and we'd, I'd go down and we'd do like, uh, guided like fly fishing trips for snook and redfish. And once we went for tarpon, but every time we've done it, it's kind of been like terrible conditions. We got down there and we usually get skunk, especially like fly fishing for them. Like yeah. if you don't do it every day, 
that's that's a well you gotta have a guide of... with that's really good on the water it has like a fucking yeah. lookout where he can see because you're almost sight casting out there in the ocean when you're flying oh yeah yeah like oh yeah i mean we're on flats we're on the flats when i'm doing that i should say you yeah. know and it's that's such a cool thing if i live down there you wouldn't be able to find me i wouldn't be doing any of this shit probably <laughs> <laughs> do you ever go down to the keys no i've been i've been down there once like on a dude, cruise or something some like that sick but, no. fishing down there in the keys dude really dude I, my brother-in-law he likes to spear fish he lives down there in key west and damn dude we went we went there i, I guess it was for my kid's birthday in fuck i don't even know my kid's birthday. we went there this summer right we rented a fucking <laughs> pontoon boat and we took the kids out on, like, way out, not way out, but we took them out into the ocean on, like, a sandbar where we could get off the boat and play around. Well, he brought his fucking spearfishing gun. So we we take off to a fucking, like, a big mangrove island, and we start hunting mangrove snappers. And we're swimming around, and they're fucking everywhere. There's tons of uh, uh, barracuda, not barracudas, tarpon that are fucking, like, you know, really intimidating just waiting for us to like injure a fish and come in and take it and yeah and i'm fucking swimming around with this gun dude and my brother-in-law he's holding like four dead fish out of the water just dripping blood and i'm swimming around this mangrove island and all of a sudden this fucking sharp comes around like out of the darkness i see something i'm like oh this is a big fish i point the gun and it's a fucking giant lemon shark, dude, that swims up nose to nose with me and just goes around me. And I was Holy. just like, oh, fuck. And I get out of the water. I see my brother-in-law holding the fucking dead fish, dripping blood. And I'm like, dude, giant fucking shark. And he's like, well, then we should probably go back to the boat. And I look over, and the boat's like... 200 300 yards away i'm like oh my fucking god we have to swim with this fucking giant shark all the way back <laughs> he's like so he takes off i see him he's holding the fish out of the water you know just not willing to throw that no i'm not gonna no, <laughs> get rid of <laughs> so i'm like oh fuck he takes off i come in behind him and i look down at the gun and there's just blood all over the spear on this gun i'm like oh god and i look over at him and right at that same time, this fucking shark swims right in between the two of us, dude. And that's when I realized that the shark is bigger than my fucking brother-in-law, who is every bit as tall as me and has flippers on. And the fucking shark is that. I mean, it's like a nine-foot fucking shark, lemon shark, dude. I was just like, you talk about being fucking yoked, dude. I was, my blood was boiling, dude. Yeah, what a helpless feeling. There's, you know, if that thing wanted, if that thing wanted to. <laughs> oh, dude. And I just kept thinking, like, every other time we've done this, you know, we're in a little boat and we're like, if we're far from it, it's like, you know, 20 or 30 yards away through the fucking mangroves. Uh, it's not like swim through the open ocean for 300 fucking yards to get back to safety, you know? It was. But that being said, fucking spearfishing is a lot of fun. And those mangrove snappers taste amazing. Damn. Yeah. I need to get into this killing business, I guess. Dude, you got to get into this eating business, dude. You'll appreciate <laughs> fishing so much more, man. Probably. I mean, I, when I fish for trout, like, I do, I do find myself just going, I want to know what's in that stream. You know, I'll fucking, yeah. you know, catch whatever trout's there and look at it and be like, oh, that's cool. It's a, you know, 
It's a fucking brown. It's a rainbow. It's a fucking whatever. Uh, but mainly I fucking fish to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I probably should. Probably should. <laughs> I love them, though. Dude, I just love fish. I find them so fascinating. And not not sound like some fucking pussy or anything, but it's just like, I just don't even want to kill them. Just like, I'd rather go home and eat some tuna or something like that than uh, <laughs> eat some nasty fucking fucking catfish out of a nuclear power-generated lake. <laughs> Oh man, there ain't nothing wrong with that fucking catfish, dude. And if there is, yeah, that fucking oil is gonna cook it right out of it. You know, like you're gonna kill all oh, that deadly man. stuff with that hot cooking oil. You say that, but look at you now. It's <laughs> a good point. I mean, that's a very valid point. You should see my kids, and that point is well proven. God damn, your babies are gonna be born naked. <laughs> Yeah, my kids fucking love fishing. Oh shit, that's awesome. I can only hope one day. Oh yeah, well you know you got a girl, don't you? I have. I've got no kids. I know, but you got a, like a, a girlfriend or a oh, wife, yeah. right? I've got a wife. I've got a wife. Yeah, dude, just go home and made give it her made one. it that far. Just go home and <laughs> give her one, dude. Dude, man, we've talked about it, but literally, she works as much as I do. Dude, just ask for forgiveness, not permission. Forgiveness. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. It's, hey, it's not going to get easier. It's really not going to get easier, you know. Hey, my Damn. Just fucking put one in them. Great point. I mean, for real, dude. Uh, we need more people like you to have babies. Shoo. Yeah. One day, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we'll wow, see. we just went there. Oh gosh! No. Well, hey man, I I really appreciate you taking time to sit down and talk with me tonight. Uh, I have I have enjoyed this, and we do need to catch up. We need to ride some motorcycles and go fishing. I really like the sound of that. Let me know, dude. I would love it. What's halfway? What's halfway for us? I fuck. We need to go see Bigfoot Robbie in Birmingham. That's the halfway point. When I come to you guys, is go to Birmingham, and I can make it there in a long day. And okay. I bet Same you here. could too. That's seven seven or eight hours, I think. I could do that. Dude, he would be stoked. And he would be he would he's got boats. And now when I say he's got boats, he's got like fucking canoes. I think he's he was building one of those fucking beaver tail setups, which I really want to build down here for my river. You familiar with those? No, I'm like not. The mud motors. It's like those motors oh. they build in Thailand, you know, with the big Yeah. They fucking have the long tail and the fucking arm where they Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I do know uh, that. That would be sick. And I've I've been thinking about how I need to go to Birmingham. So maybe when it warms up, that's what we need to do is meet in Birmingham, get Robbie to take us fishing. Dude, I would love that. I, I would, like the sound. You seriously, could fucking, I would love that. You could beat up Jake, take his Pan America. Last time I talked I'm to Robbie, he was building an off-road sportster. So he would really, really be stoked. I'll be on my chopper. I'll see you there. Okay, perfect. <laughs> That'd be sick too. <laughs> well, hey, if anybody uh, wants to, you know, get a hold of you and like, you know, get you to do some motor work, how, what's the best way for them to get in contact? Um, you could go on my website. It's probably the best. Uh, Dwayne's Powertrains.com. 
and just like you can fill out an email thing from there. Just uh, only thing I would say is don't don't send me a message on Instagram because it gets lost in the sauce in there, and I just sometimes have a hard time getting back to you. Okay, well that's that's easy enough. What about Dwayne? Who is Dwayne, and how do I get a hold of him? <laughs> well, I mean, my real name's Derek. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay, that's, I know that's you know I'm that, saying. but like. It's it's so funny because like people that I've known for years, you know, as acquaintances will come up to me now and be like, hey, what's up, Dwayne? I'm like, you know, that's not my name, right? <laughs> it, that's my middle name. Okay, so, Derek Dwayne. Yeah, I, I shared it with uh, my grandfather. Um, it was it was my grandfather's middle name too, and he was uh, quite a mechanical savvy person. So I felt like it was a bit fitting. That is awesome keeping it in the family that's right well beautiful dude well you have a wonderful evening go home make yourself a baby and uh <laughs> tell those boys at the prism supply shop i said hello and well, dude, i look dude, come forward on back out to, here i look forward to crossing lines with you next year absolutely man dude I, I can't thank you enough for having me and dude you make it easy you make it real easy you're good at this oh well you know we're just fucking bullshitting you know yeah and we're going to share the best thing with, about what you do. We're going to share it with everybody. I love it. I do appreciate it. Absolutely, buddy. Well, I appreciate you. You have a wonderful night. All right. You too, buddy. Fucking amazing. Uh, I know I didn't warn you that we were going to talk about fishing and killing shit and making babies, but that's, that's so is life. Um, thank you for listening. Go to mcshoptees.com. LowbrowCustoms.com, MotorcycleSherpa.com. You guys are fucking amazing. And we'll talk to you next week.